Well, I'd like for us to begin to look at what I call the covenant of prosperity. I want to begin to speak to you today, and to be honest, this will go for a while. Interestingly, uh, at the beginning of the year, I told you the Lord said to us, said to me, and I told you what the Lord said, that he has brought this church, this church, and I know there are those watching on the internet, there are those that are going to be watching this subsequently, but the Lord said he has brought this church to a season of financial expansion. And it's interesting, you, you have a word like that and you deliver the word like that to the people and you begin to teach along that line and suddenly there comes a pandemic and suddenly there comes a closure and suddenly people are told to stay, at, stay in their homes and, and then the fallout of, of the lockdown, it's really a lot of people have lost their businesses. Small businesses have closed down. Small businesses are no more operational. Why? Because for the last three months or the last four months, they, they did not do business and, and they've lost all that they've built. But I, I want you to understand that it does not matter. The word of God standeth sure. Let every man be a liar, but let God remain true. God said it. God will make it good. Amen. Your amen is very weak this morning. Amen. God said it and God will make it good. Listen, we shall not be phased by what is happening out in the economy. And when you study the Bible, you will discover that it is at times like this that God's people excelled. Because we are those that walk by faith. Say it with me, I walk by faith. Not by sight. I'm not moved by what I see. Come on, say it like a minute. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm only moved by the truth of the word of God. Say, say this, God said it. That settles it. Do you believe it? If you believed it, I, I, I thought you were, you, you were supposed to shout if you believed it. God said it. That settles it. And we, we shall not let circumstances determine the word of God. The Bible says we are not those that draw back in unbelief. We are not going to draw back in unbelief. We're not going to start saying, is this God speaking? Because if God spoke, why is it that things are going contrary? But I've noticed in... As I read the Bible and I've noticed in my own personal life that it's interesting that when God speaks to a man about what he wants to do, the next day you wake up all excited. And then a couple of days later, it seems as if your life begins to go the opposite direction. Joseph woke up with a dream and told his brothers and goes back to bed again another day and woke up with another dream. Both dreams meant one thing. God was going to lift him up. God was going to raise him up. God was going to use him to do amazing things. But in summary, God was going to raise him up and use him to preserve lives. And he thought to himself, his brothers will be happy with him. But little did he know that in telling his dreams, his brothers 
will be stirred up and they were going to attack him and they were going to sell him as a slave to the Ishmaelite traders. So one moment you have a dream and the next moment you are in, in the pit. One moment you had a dream and the next moment you are in the house of Potiphar in a strange land. One moment you, are, you had a dream and the next moment you are in prison accused of what you didn't even do. And you have to stay in prison for at least two solid years. In a dungeon, in a prison dog underground. Not even overground but underground. Where you shout and probably nobody hears you that's overground. And you look at your life and it seems as if God didn't speak to you. But in actual fact God spoke to you. And 13 years goes by. And your life seems to be going the opposite direction of what God told you 13 years ago. That's when people begin to second guess themselves. That is when people begin to ask all kinds of questions. Did God really speak? Don't let life troubles determine whether God spoke to you or not. If God spoke, God spoke. And if God did, God will bring you to pass. The Bible says God is not a man. That he should lie. Nor is he a son of man. That he should repent. The word repent there means change his mind. What God told you 15 years ago. I tell you. God hasn't changed his mind about it. You may think God did. But God didn't. Your life may be going the opposite direction it seems. But to be honest with you. Your life isn't going the opposite direction. Your life is really going through what you need to go through. To come into what God said you're going to come into. Oh my God, I wish somebody understood that. Your life is not going the opposite direction. The life of a man of destiny and vision cannot go the opposite direction. It don't matter what's happening in your life. God is always going to be there to make sure that he orchestrates everything to bring you to the fullness of his plan. So I, I listen, I was just listening to what I was declaring the word of the Lord over here. This was after I began to talk to you about... The season of expansion. And, and I was watching the video a couple of weeks ago and, and it struck me. One moment you are prophesying that God is going to bless people. And before the end of this year, God's going to raise people up in this place. And basically surprises are going to happen in your financial life. And you will be shocked at what God will do. And so one moment you are talking about that. And the next moment there is a lockdown and people are losing their businesses. But God never lies. I say, God never lies. I say, God never lies. I say, God never lies. Praise God. And if people that are close to you would lose their business, you won't. And I don't even care if for whatever reason this business closes down, something else will open up. Listen, God will never be undone. I say, God will not be undone. What the enemy meant for evil, God will use the same thing and turn it for your own good. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. What I'm just saying to you is that you can't lose. Because the word of God has come to you. And all that you need to do is to mix faith with the word that has come. The Bible talks about the people of Israel because they did not mix faith with the word of the Lord. The Bible says the word did not profit them. 
For those that will mix faith with the word that we have been given, the word will profit you. It don't matter. Come rain, come shine. No matter what happens in the world, you will always continue to, to be lifted up and God will continue to glorify you. Come on now, if you believe it, say praise the Lord. So I want to begin to expound on this and I want to do my best to give you the full counsel of the word of God on the subject of the covenant of prosperity. And so this is not one of those uh, preaching sermons. This is a teaching sermon. I, I want to teach and I want to try to, to help myself and contain myself because sometimes I can't contain myself. I, I just go off preaching. I want to try to contain myself. Why? Because I want you to, to be able to write down some things. And I want you to be able to understand a lot of things. And I want you to see what the Bible says with regards to the covenant of prosperity that we have in Christ. Can someone shout praise the Lord? Now prosperity is becoming a taboo word in many circles these days. Because of all the recent attacks. On the subject. I was writing my note. And I thought to myself. This, this is actually going to become a book. In actual fact. The way I'm going to present it today. I'm going to present it in such a way. Where it will look like. I'm just reading from my book I wrote. Amen. Because I'm going to be reading a lot of things here. And as I read all these things. I want you to please open up your heart. And grab them. Because I believe these things are important. So prosperity, the word prosperity is becoming a taboo word in so many circles today. Why? Because of all the recent attacks on the subject. People say there is nothing like prosperity gospel. And I fully agree. I fully agree there is nothing like a prosperity gospel. But I also need you to understand. You cannot delete prosperity from the gospel. Yeah. Nothing like prosperity gospel. But you can't delete. Remove prosperity from the gospel. Because in the gospel is prosperity. Amen. That's like reading my book. <laughs> you cannot remove, delete, cancel out prosperity from the gospel because in the gospel is prosperity. So if you only understand what the word gospel means, gospel means good news. Good news. What is good news? What is good news? Well, we can just simply define good news as something that makes you happy. Good news. The gospel is good news. Can someone shout praise the Lord? So we cannot remove, delete, erase prosperity from the gospel because in the gospel is prosperity. The abuse in the church is gross. And that's the reason why all the attack is happening right now. 
In my own observation, I don't know if you, if you guys have observed it, but in my observation, I, I have not seen abuse in, in any other subject, on any other subject in the body of Christ, like I've seen abuse when it comes to the subject of prosperity. But the fact that this has been abused does not mean we're going to throw the baby away with the bathwater. Yes, there is abuse. But I also believe that there are men of God that are teaching this subject with a heart of purity. And based upon the truth of the word of God. And we have to listen to people like that. We cannot say because there is abuse here and abuse there. For that reason, we shall throw away what God has given to his church. The bathwater may be dirty, but you don't throw the baby away with the bathwater. You take the baby out and you throw the bathwater away. Come on now, can someone say praise the Lord? So we have to take that which God has given to us and we have to throw away that which is abuse. And I want to list some of the abuse that you may have seen, you may have heard, you may have witnessed, or that may have even happened to you. You hear people say, if you give a thousand, you will get 10,000. 10, if you give a thousand, you get 10,000. This is not how it works. Yes, the Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Everyone say good measure. Good. Press down. Everyone say press down. Shaking together, I want to say shaking together, and running over, I want to say running over, shall men give unto your bosom. Shall men give unto you? Don't determine, you don't determine what they give back to you. What you determine is what you give. You can determine how much you would give, but you cannot determine how much will come back to you. Can someone say amen? So that's a gimmick for someone to tell you if you give 1,000, you will get back 10,000. Give your first month's salary as your first fruits or else the entire year won't work for you. That's an abuse. That's an abuse. And so I'm showing you this morning the reason why so many people don't want to talk about prosperity anymore. I was reading this a couple of months ago that a man of God said to his congregation, if you don't bring your first month's salary in 2020, the rest of the year will not work for you. You cannot put pressure on people to bring their first month's salary to church so that the rest of the year will work. Because it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. God in the New Testament does not demand your first month's salary. That is an abuse. And that needs to stop. And you as members of the church also need to wake up and understand what the word of God says. And don't forget, you are also a carrier of the presence of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that the spirit himself will bear witness with your spirit 
So when a man of God is preaching or teaching something that is contrary to the word of God, within you, if you have the word of God in you and you have the Holy Ghost in you, you will feel sick about it. But the problem is a lot of people in the church do not have the word and are not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And that is the reason why they swallow everything line who can sink up. You have to be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And you have to be full of the word of God. Come on now, say amen. amen. What I'm teaching this morning is going to help you. Because what has been happening in the world today, in the, in, the, in the church world today, it's nothing but the enemy attacking those that truly want to serve God. There are those that truly want to serve God with their resources. There are those that God has anointed with, this, with the ability to create wealth. Deuteronomy 8.18, the Bible says, and you shall have the ability to create wealth. Is that correct? God wants to give you the ability to create wealth. And God can anoint you to create wealth. And there are those that truly want to create wealth for the purpose of serving the kingdom of God. But if, if we allow this thing to continue, this abuse to continue, and nobody's saying anything about it, what happens is it begins to affect even those with a pure motive. So we, we must preach the truth. Tell your neighbor, preach the truth. We have to preach the truth and each of you need to have the Holy Spirit in you. And each of you need to know the word of God in, in your heart. Know the word of God for yourself so that you are not deceived. See, anyone tells you give $1,000 and you will get $20,000. Tell them I'm sorry I'm not giving. It doesn't work that way. Are you listening to me? The Bible says, let each one give as he has made up his own mind. Not out of compulsion. Not out of necessity. Because God loveth a cheerful giver. Can someone say amen? amen? God does not pressure us to give. God speaks to us to give. And have you noticed that when God is telling you to do something, even if it is much bigger than what you have in your bank account, there's going to be peace about it? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? There's going to be peace about it, but when people are pulling and shoving and all this stuff is going on, and it, it just puts you in a place of unrest, then it is not the Spirit of God. Give your first month's salary. Or else the rest of the year will be bad for you. You cannot put a curse on people. It's not your place to tell people what will be good or what will be bad in the month. Somebody might give his first month's salary and may never give again. Why somebody may not give his first month's salary but might give 100% the rest of the year. So how do you compute that? Who determines who is blessed? Who determines who gets a harvest? It's not me. I don't determine whether you get a harvest. You don't determine whether I get a harvest. You know who determines whether I get a harvest? Me and God. You have no business in this. So don't try to talk in, in my business. 
Don't try to determine whether I'm going to get a harvest or not because you cannot determine that. I and God determines that. Come on now, say amen. amen. You can give your first month salary and you don't live for God the rest of the month or the rest of the year. And you shoot yourself in the leg. You can give your first month salary and you do dumb stuff the rest of the year. So what's the guarantee that because you gave your first month salary, the rest of the year will work for you? Come touch my hand with money and you will be blessed. Somebody actually told me the story. He was somewhere in Europe and this guy was preaching and he told the people, come touch my hand. Come touch my hand. Come touch my hand with money. And if you would touch my hand with money, you will be blessed. I'm talking about abuse. I'm going to try to teach. Stay with me. Pressuring people to give and making them feel guilty if they don't is terrible. We shouldn't pressure people. We should preach the word and challenge people to give and let the Holy Spirit speak to people on what to do based on the word they've heard. Did you hear that? If I ever come up to preach and put pressure on you to give, don't give that day. But if I come up to preach and I preach the word and I teach the word and the Holy Spirit tells you what to do, then do it. Based upon the word. Because the Holy Spirit will use the word that I preach and talk to you about doing some stuff. Is that correct? But just coming up and pressuring you and pressuring you and pressuring you to give. The moment you feel pressure, don't do it. Because when you feel pressure and you start doing it, you're not doing it in faith. The Bible says, let each one give as he has made up his mind, not out of what? Not out of what? Compulsion, not out of compulsion, not out of pressure, not out of necessity. Rather, you should give from a cheerful heart. Can someone say praise the Lord? This year is the year 2020. So if you would give $2,020, you laugh. These are the things that we hear. These are the things that are going on. If you would give $20.20. Because you see it's 2020. It's prophetic. There's nothing prophetic about it. Are you listening to me? There's nothing prophetic about giving $20.20. $2,020. There's nothing prophetic about that. It's a gimmick. Say to somebody, it's a gimmick. For your gift of $50, we will send you a piece of the old rugged cross. It's in our office. If you would send $50 into the ministry, we will cut out a piece of the cross. The same cross where Jesus was crucified will send you a piece. We'll, we'll mail it to you. But you've got to give $50 and give us your full information.
We can even send you water from the river Jordan. We can also send you the, the prayer shawl that Jesus wore when he was here. Now, you understand. All of that is gimmick. They don't have a piece of the old rugged cross. That's an abuse. Everyone said that's an abuse. So these are the things. These are the things. And these things happen. I know you laugh. But these things happen. They happen in the church. And, and guess what? The simple minded do it. No, the Bible warns us in the book of Proverbs that we should not be simple minded people. We should be wise people. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. We shouldn't be naive people. We should be people full of the word, full of the truth, knowing what God requires of you. And don't let anybody tell you how it should be done when they are telling you in the wrong way. Because if it is not based upon the teaching of the word and the truth of the word, then it is wrong. Another abuse. Preaching against rich people. And making them feel as if every rich person has involved himself or herself in some sort of criminal act to make money. You hear some people preach. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a, than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Well, why did Jesus say that? Jesus was not even saying rich people wouldn't make it to heaven. And there's nothing wrong in being rich, by the way. Come on, say amen. I say there is nothing wrong in having a lot. Your father of faith, Abraham, was rich. He was so rich, loaded. The Bible says Abraham was rich in silver and gold and in livestock. In gold, in silver, and livestock. He was rich. Everyone say he was rich. Abraham was not poor. He was rich. Someone say, oh, but that's spiritual riches. No, the Bible makes it very clear. It says gold. Gold is not spiritual. Silver. Silver is not spiritual. Cattle. Meh. They're not spiritual. <laughs> Abraham was rich in gold and silver and in livestock. Can someone say praise God? So God made sure that you can see it says gold, it says silver, and it says livestock so that you don't come up with your religious idea that it is spiritual. Because there, there was nothing spiritual about the stuff. He had physical gold, physical silver, and cows, and sheep, and goats. And all over his place was mad, mad they were all over the place. And he, he, also had, he also had 318 men. Serving him that he raised up in his house. 318 servants. He was very rich. I won't say he was very rich. So don't come across as if rich people made their money illegally. Because there are some very rich people that have not soiled their hands. There are some very rich people that made their money legally. They did everything they could to make sure that they do not involve themselves in anything that would tarnish their image or ruin their lives. And they worked very hard for it. And they worked very smart for it. I can't remember when, but this was probably 15, 16 years ago. 
I was teaching English lang language to this uh, Turkish couple. Someone had connected me uh, to them and, and asked if I could come over to them weekly, actually every day, sorry, for five days a week and teach them English, English language. All they needed was somebody to just communicate with. I wasn't necessarily teach them, teaching them parts of speech. They just wanted somebody to communicate with them. You know, they just wanted to practice their English. So I would go to their office, him and his wife. The man was an electrical electronics engineer. His wife was the same. And then one day as I was with them, the man began to tell me how they worked from the bottom to the top. Worked very hard. At this time, I was teaching them English language. This company was probably the top 10 electrical company in Turkey. He said, the man said they walked from the bottom to the top. Because at the time I was teaching them, they had all these guys working for them, staff here, staff there. The company was huge, the, one of the top 10 companies in Turkey, electrical companies in Turkey at the time. But he told me how they would go there early in the morning and walk till almost midnight. Just him and his wife. And today you see the progress and you think they must have done something to get to where they, they are. No, they, they worked hard to get to where they are. There are wealthy people that made their millions the right way. Come on now, say amen. amen. So don't, don't start preaching as if everyone who has a lot of money must have done something illegal. Because that's not the case. Can someone say, praise the Lord. And for you that is here this morning, God is going to raise you up and use you. And God's going to bless you. But you have to be faithful to God. And you have to walk hard and you have to walk smart. Can someone say amen? amen. Can someone say amen? amen? I would not go ahead of myself. I would try to, like I said, I will try to contain myself. Let me still contain myself. Another abuse you see is treating some people better than others. Because the person has money, you make him feel special over the person that doesn't really have a lot of money. The Bible warns against this evil. This should never happen in any church, in any ministry. Everybody should be treated equally. That amen is very weak here in this morning. You cannot say because this guy has money and so you treat him better than you treat the other person who does not really have money. The house of God should be for everybody. And everyone is welcome. Are you listening to me? Don't start making the wealthy in your church look better than those that really don't have a lot. Don't, don't start giving your time to those that you know can give because you know they have money and then you give them more time than those who... Uh, this one don't bring nothing. Well, um. No. Don't ever do that. Because God's going to watch. God's watching. And God's going to judge. God's going to judge. I said God is going to judge. You give as much time to the one who does not have a lot. As you do with the one who has a lot. God is no respecter of persons. We must not be. The person you despise today. You might need them tomorrow. Are you listening to me? So give everybody equal attention. 
as a minister of the gospel, you are there to serve. You serve everybody. You are not there to treat some people better than others. You are not there to make some people feel like they are trash. If they ask you for time, your time, you give them your time. And you pay attention to them and listen to them. Come on now, that's a good place to say amen. amen. In this message, how much time do I have? Oh, okay. In this message, I'm going to endeavor to give you the full counsel of God's word. Notice I'm still building this. That's what I'm still doing. So I'm going to endeavor to give you the full counsel of God's word as it relates to prosperity. But before I do that, I need to first help you understand your covenant. Everyone say, I have a covenant. Good. Because it is in understanding your covenant that your faith is released. Oh, you see now? Yeah. Very important. It is understanding your covenant that releases your faith. Not in giving you principles. A child does not need principles to be a child. <laughs> I've never gone to my kids and asked them, which principle do you know to live in my house? A child does not need principles to be a child. He qualifies... To live in his father's house by virtue of his status. But a child needs understanding of who he is, what belongs to him, and how the father wants his wealth used. Do you understand that now? There is a difference. A child does not need principles to be a child. It doesn't need principles to live in his father's house. He is in his father's house and he is a son or a daughter of his dad by virtue of birth. By virtue of what? Birth. The fact that he was birthed by his dad qualifies him to stay in that house. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the Bible says, And if any man is in Christ, in Christ, everyone say in Christ. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. How many of you are in Christ? If you are in Christ, it means you are in the house. It means you qualify as a child. Come on now, say amen. amen. That is the only thing required to bring you into the household of God. If a man is in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Can someone shout praise the Lord? That is the only qualification and that is the beginning of the covenant. Oh yeah. See now, that is the beginning. You enter into the covenant the moment you come into Christ. If you are outside Christ, you've got no covenant with God. You enter into the covenant when you came into Christ. 
that's when you became a new creature. All things. I want to say all things. All things means all that the devil had done in your life. All that the devil still does in the lives of those who do not know Jesus. Curses. Bondage. Sin. Oppression. Depression. Poverty. Captivity. All that the devil did in your life and still does. The Bible says, I believe in Ephesians chapter 2, over the sons of disobedience. All that he still does over the sons of disobedience, the Bible says, you have been delivered from those. These are the old things and they have passed away and all things have become what? New. Now, it's a new day. My God, I pray somebody understands that today. That is the entrance into the covenant. Praise God. Now, though a child in the house does not need principles to be a child, but the child needs to understand who he is. Say, so now, I want to talk about your covenant. In your covenant, you must understand who you are. Your, your faith cannot, don't forget, that's what I'm saying. Your faith cannot work until you understand you are a child. A child who is living in his father's house, but who thinks he's a servant, cannot operate like a child. His faith is not activated to operate like a son because he thinks he's a servant. But there are servants who have come to the place in their master's house where they are now treated like a son. And because they understand the way the master treats them, they now operate like a son. Though they are servants. There is no blood relationship between him and his boss. But his boss has so accepted him like a son and the boss treats him like a son and he accepts that and he acts like one. Very important stuff. There is an understanding that must come in this covenant. I am a child of God. That will kick something in. I am a child of God. That will activate something in your spirit man. I am a child of God. That will bring you to a place where servants cannot come to. Because as long as you keep seeing yourself as an outsider, you will keep working and operating like an outsider. But we are no more outsiders. We are sons and daughters of the living God. In him, you are a child of God. In him, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In him, you are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. In him, you are seated in heavenly places far above all principality and power, might and dominion. Every name that's been named and every tongue, that everything is under your feet. Why? Because you are in him. You are in him. Above all things. All things belong to you. The Bible says you are, you are an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. 
I pray somebody will grab a hold of that. You are God's heir and you are God's joint heir with Christ. In other words, all the privileges, all the blessings that Jesus possesses, you possess. So you've got to understand this aspect of the covenant. I'm preaching. So you qualify as a son, as a daughter by virtue of the fact that you are born again. Come on now, say praise God. So he needs to understand who he is. Say it with me. I understand from today, I am a child of Almighty God. Everything that Jesus has, I have. Everything that Jesus does, I do. I walk on earth as Christ, anointed, dominate every circumstance of life. If you believe it, give the Lord a big shout of praise. He has to understand who he is. That's number one understanding that must come. But also he has to understand what belongs to him. You see, you might understand who you are, but if you don't understand what belongs to you, you will still live in the house like a servant. The, the, the prodigal son returned home. And guess what? The father said, throw a party. And, and the eldest son was about to come into the house and he hears music. And when he comes into the house and it goes to his dad and said, Dad, I've been faithful all these years. I have not done anything to displease you. When have you ever given me something to celebrate with my friends? But this your son. But this your son, who have squandered your wealth. He comes back and you are celebrating. You know what the father said to the older son? Son, all I have belongs to you. Why don't you do whatever you want with them? Oh. The son has been there but had no idea of his possession. And guess what? He was working like a servant. Father, I've been pleasing you all these years. Father, I've been good. Father, I've been that. Why don't you give me? Father said, why should I give you? Don't you understand, my son, that everything I have, it's yours? Why do you wait for me to give you? Come on now, I, pray. I, I know somebody's eyes are going to open to this truth. So the child needs to understand who he is, what belongs to him. And the third thing is how the father wants his wealth used. Now listen carefully. Knowledge of these things triggers his giving. The knowledge of how the wealth should be used is extremely important because that is what determines how much can be committed into your hands. Oh. This is so good. This is so good. This is so good. Let me read that again. The knowledge 
of how the wealth should be used is extremely important because that is what determines how much can be committed into your hands. This is the reason why those that are generous givers always get more. The father wants to dispense his wealth. The father wants to release his wealth. The father is so good that he wants to bless even those that are sinners. And the father wants to use his children. His children who understand what his father wants to do with his immense wealth will set themselves up to be used. My God. They would, no, listen, you know, we talk about spiritual power. We talk about praise the presence of God. We talk about, you know, all the things that you do in life. If you look about, think about spiritual things, you, you understand that there is a price to pay. There is a price to pay. Even when it comes to prophecies that have been given to you by great men of God. And even if God himself shows up in your bedroom and gave you a word. Do you understand that that word is conditional? What makes us think that when God speaks to you and that word is conditional. Other stuff in the Bible are not conditional. So God spoke to you about what he wants to do with your life and you just go about doing your own thing, living in a, living in a, in, in a, in a, in And then you say, but God has spoken, God will do it. No, it doesn't work that way. When God speaks, you are obligated. When God speaks, there are things you must do. When God speaks, there is a way you live your life from that day. When God speaks, there are requirements that he wants you to understand. And he wants you to live your life according to the requirements for him to bring his promise to pass. Come on now, say amen. amen. Oh, God gave me a word. So I go sleep. It will happen no matter what. You, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know the full counsel of the word of God then. You don't know the full counsel of the word of God. That's why you said to yourself, it will happen no matter what. When God speaks, you are required. In actual fact, to whom much is given, much is expected. Preaching better than you guys are responding this morning. So even when it comes to this covenant of prosperity, we have to understand those who align themselves to the purpose of God and to the will of God and to the way God wants to release his wealth into the lives of people and into institutions and into nations and, and to bless people and to alleviate people of their, in, from their circumstances. It is those who line themselves up with that purpose to understand that the harvest of souls is in the nations and the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. And Jesus said, pray ye the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his field. And one of those that God will use in this last days to bring in the harvest are those that will finance the gospel. Amen. Yeah. 
Yes. So if I align myself to finance the gospel, guess what? I want to pour into the nations. I want to pour into people. But what is it I want to pour into people? God's wealth. And because I align myself with God's purpose, guess what? I now understand that God wants to do all of this stuff and God will now see me as qualified to be used in that area. The rest of you might go sleep and say, oh, God wants to reach the lost. God wants to bring in the harvest and, and, and you do nothing about it. That means you have limited the flow through your own life. Come on, say amen. amen. Talk about spiritual power. You, you know, Jesus said, because I want to use that as an example too. You remember Jesus said, this kind cannot go out. Except by what? Prayer and what? Prayer and eating kebab. Prayer and eating fufu. Is that what it is? No. He said prayer and fasting. You know what the word fasting means? It means abstaining from food. Period. Pe people are coming up with this fasting from TV. Fasting from... Listen. When you fast from, abstain from food, you will cut out TV. You don't fast or lose weight, by the way. Let me just tell you that. Let me just give you that up front. If you want to go on a diet, go on a diet. If you want to fast, fast. You don't fast because you want to lose weight. If that is the purpose of your fast, sorry, you are getting nothing out of it. You will lose weight, but you're not getting anything spiritual. You fast to seek the face of God. You fast to enhance your spirituality. Jesus said, this kind cannot go out except by fasting and prayer. So which means that not everyone can deal with this kind. For you to be able to deal with this kind, you pay the price to deal with this kind. You see what I'm talking about now? So when you understand that with fasting, when you understand that, understand that with prayer, you've got to understand that also with finance. There is always a price to pay. So if I set myself up to fast and pressing to God and pray, guess what? I set myself up to deal with this kind of stuff. But if you don't, when the situation shows up in your life, there is nothing you can do about it because you are not ready. So I set myself up also to give into the house because I understand what God wants to do. I set myself up to give to the nations because I understand what God wants to do. And now God can now flow through me because I've become the right pipe. Everyone said the right pipe. You know the wrong pipe are clogged up. Go to your kitchen, open the sink. That's why you have water coming back. Because it's clogged up. So many people's pipes are clogged up in the spirit. So many people's lives are clogged up. And that is why the flow is not easy. Because of all the, all the stuff. Greed. Selfishness. All of that clogs up myself. Me, myself, and I. Clogs up your pipe. That's why people that are givers never lack. Amen. That's why people that are givers always increase. Are you listening to me? Yes. 
Proverbs chapter 11, verse number 24 to 26. Listen to what it says. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth. Doesn't make sense, Brother Princely. It doesn't make sense. The, this guy is scattering, yet he's increasing. The natural mind does not compute that. Because what the world will tell you is there is that gathereth and increaseth. But God said there is that scattereth, yet increaseth. It does not make sense. Why am I going to scatter and increase? God said that's the way it works. Come on now, say amen. amen. What am I saying to you? Those that are generous are always going to increase. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it leads to poverty. Notice the next thing. The liberal soul shall be made fat. The liberal generous, the word liberal there is generous. The generous soul, the liberal soul shall be made fat. And he that watereth shall be watered also himself. That's what I'm saying. Those that are always giving are always getting blessed. Come on now say amen. amen. Watch the next thing. He that with all that corn, the people shall curse him. Hey. But blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. I want to read that in the Passion Translation. It's so beautiful. Proverbs. Notice, generosity brings prosperity. Hey, glory to God. That's basically what I'm talking about. Generosity brings prosperity. But withholding from charity brings poverty. Those who live to bless others will have blessings heaped up upon them. And the one who pours out his life to pour out blessings will be saturated with favor. Oh, your amen is very weak this morning. Everyone say, I have a covenant of prosperity. Go with me to Genesis chapter 12. Because, you know, as we begin to talk about this, I'm building on this. I'm, I'm going to finish with this because it's time already. A covenant of prosperity and, and we shall continue on this. This is going to take a while. And I can't tell you how long this is going to take. But my God, join us. Don't miss this. Every Sunday. I believe every Sunday. This is what I'm going to be talking about. I'm building on this stuff. And you are going to come to the place where you understand. Beyond the shadow of every doubt. That you have a covenant of prosperity. And you're going to get a full, the full counsel of the word of God on this subject. And no one will deceive you. And when you give next time, you will give with so much purity in your heart. And so much faith in your heart. And you will give with joy. And you will know that you're doing this for the glory of God. Genesis chapter 12. Look at verse number 1. Now the Lord has said unto Abram. Get thee out of thy country. And from thy kindred. And from thy father's house unto a land that I will shew thee. And I will make of thee a great name. And I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. 
and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. Jump over to verse number seven. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Can someone say amen? amen. Did you get that? Now go with me to the book of, let's see here. The next bit I want you to see is, go to the book of Galatians. Galatians in chapter 3. Anybody getting blessed this morning? Galatians chapter 3. If you have found it, say amen. amen. Look at verse number 6. We just read about Abraham, right? So I want to bring you, bring, I want to tie this, the next places we're going to read, tied back to what we just read. Look at verse number 6. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Amen. Hey, glory to God. Now you're going to begin to understand that this covenant is for you. Because God entered into a covenant with Abraham. I'll bless those that bless you. I'll curse them that curse you. Uh, and, and, and in thy seed shall the nations be blessed and bless themselves. Is that correct? And you go study the life of Abraham, how God blessed him and how God fought for him and how God protected him. All that God did for him. God says, you are part of this covenant and all that I did for my son Abraham, all that I did for your father in the faith. I want you to understand that if you will come by faith and understand, all belongs to you. You will also enjoy all that Abraham enjoyed because Abraham is your father. But the way to access this is by faith. All that are of faith are sons of Abraham. Say it with me. I am a son of Abraham. Therefore, I have a covenant of prosperity. Verse number 8. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying... In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Amen. Glory to God. Look at verse number 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, curse is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith. But the man who does them shall live by them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on me. Watch this. Watch this. The reason why Christ came and Christ is the bridge. It says that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Everyone say in Christ Jesus. 
that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men. Though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, not, no one annuls or adds to it. Now, to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as to one. That seed is Christ. Christ is the bridge. Someone say, Christ is the bridge. <laughs> and to your seed, who is Christ. And this I say, that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ. Before by God in Christ. Notice that the covenant was even made to Abraham in Christ. In Christ. He said, was Christ around then? Yes, he was. That it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. Go to verse number. Oh, this is good. This is good. Go to verse number 29. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed. Ah, let, let's, go, let's go home. Let's go home. If, if at this point nobody gets it, then let's go home. In your seed, that seed is Christ. Now, but it comes down here and say, if you are Christ, you are... Oh. You know why? Because... Christ is the seed. Now you are the seed because you are in the seed. Oh, glory to God. You are in Christ. Because you are in Christ, you also are the seed. And you have also become heirs according to the promise. 